Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Atkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are covering Mansfield Park, the movie from 1999. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our first Mansfield Park in quite a while. I know. There's only three adaptations, I believe. I think there's one that's wow. kind of a weird modern adaptation, but it's not really an adaptation, but like mm-hmm. kind of. So we'll definitely cover that at some point, but <laughs> I don't think it really counts. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with you. Give me your first impression. Um, I did enjoy the movie. I thought it was really beautifully shot. Like it looked like super, like the production value was super high. I loved the performances. I thought our Fanny this time played by Frances O'Connor was really great. I liked her a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoyed it for the most part. There were some like little scenes and choices I think that were made that were kind of like, I felt very unnecessary to me, maybe more in the realm of like, I don't want to say like shock value, but we can get to them in the recap. But like a lot of stuff that has to do with like the slavery element, it felt a lot more heavy in this version than the last one we did. Um, (laughs) And it felt like it was more part of the story. It was like more as like, it felt more core, like essential to the core of the story than it did in the last one where it seemed very passing in a way. Right, right, right. Well, the last one that we watched, the first one we watched, I consider to be a Mansfield Park tone poem. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like there was a lot more stuff in this one. I was like, oh, I don't remember that from the other one. And I was like, maybe this one is a little bit more true to the actual story. <laughs> it's funny because neither of them are really, that one like just like left out so much stuff and just kind of uh-huh. like, you know, lightly skipped across the surface of Mansfield Park. <laughs> and this one is like, kind of adding stuff because it's not just Mansfield Park it's also the letters right? letters like she kind of based Fanny Price on Jane Austen a little bit and um. the whole slavery aspect is something that I think we talked about when we did the last one it's yeah kind of like an undercurrent because Mansfield family had a big lawsuit and it's kind of what made slavery illegal in London um. so it's speculated and I actually have the name of the person who did a lot of the theorizing on Mansfield Park and, mm-hmm. you know, the deep dive at what's underneath it. But none of it oh. is, like, all that explicit okay. in the actual version. Okay. So the director really wanted to... So actually, this one has stuff, like, added to it that isn't in the Oh, okay, in original. the book. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, you know, I think knowing now, knowing now that maybe the first one we watched was very lightly touching the story itself. (laughs) It makes sense that there was more stuff in this and that maybe this one felt a little more heavier because maybe the story of Mansfield Park itself is heavy. So Mm -hmm. it makes more sense that you say it, but I I still had a really good time watching it, especially because, you know, this is our second Mansfield Park thing we've ever done. So my second time watching anything. And so I was like, you know, I didn't know the story. I couldn't really (laughs) remember much of it. So it was nice to touch back and be like, I'm kind of excited to read the book. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe we might do that one next year, once we're done with Pride and Prejudice. But yeah, this is my favorite. Well, it has been traditionally. We'll see when Mm -hmm. we get through this whole thing, if it's still my favorite. (laughs) Right. I definitely think I saw this movie after I read the book. Mm -hmm. But I've always enjoyed it. I've never really rubbed up against the fact that it's different than the book in certain aspects mm-hmm. um, and I'll definitely like kind of point those out without <laughs> trying to be too much like this is how I from the book the whole time right <laughs> but um, I actually really enjoy this version because 
for one thing, is like one of the sexiest versions. I think it says. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I was, I was uh, just about to say we get like a little bit of nudity in this one and like sex, yeah. like very yeah. like apparent, like not like insinuated, like oh, we're under the covers, like oh, yeah, they're having sex. Well, I think that this book actually has the most like closest to actual being explicit about sex of any uh-huh. of her books. Like it doesn't Ooh. actually go out and be like sex scene or anything but like right. things happen that it's like well those people definitely had sex <laughs> you know like, <laughs> just so you know they hooked up <laughs> i mean there's love childs in other books but like this one is just so much like it's like it's like touching are, yeah <laughs> yeah it's touching like more so like the love child aspect it's like it seems like oh sex is just for the purpose of creating children this time in this story it feels more like Oh, like they were like lusting after each other and oh, it was yeah. like uncontrollable desire and stuff yeah. like that, which is a little bit more explicit in my opinion than just being like child. <laughs> yeah. And I like this version because I feel like there's like a depth to the characters that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily in the book, but feels right for like what could actually be going on underneath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. The Tom thing, he's much more of a like, you know, without the slavery stuff being so explicit, he's just mm-hmm. kind of like a good for nothing. <laughs> but I like yeah. that he has a motivation to be a good for nothing. And it's actually right. because of like a strong moral feeling about mm-hmm. what's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it felt more like this, this Tom was definitely felt different than the Tom in the last version we did. Because yeah. the last version, it seemed like he was just like, like aloof and was just kind of like a, so unaware of what was going on exactly, in the exactly. world. And this one is just like, I have morals and <laughs> yeah. my family is so... Blah. But it kind of really works with the story because they didn't really change mm-hmm. any of the beats of his story. Like it still happens in the same way that happens in the book. It just doesn't have that like underlying slavery aspect to it. But I kind of feel like maybe it does. And I just took this movie to make me feel like, oh, that's what he's really thinking. <laughs> that's what he's <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it's not, and also Harold Pinter is right. Sir Bertram, <laughs> or no, Sir Thomas. And I mean, that's just so cool. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely growing up and doing like my high school being a theater high school, or, you know, mm-hmm. going to school for theater and getting my first degree in theater. I, you know, He's a playwright. I was like, he was very much a part of it, (laughs) in a way. Exactly. I heard about his name long before. I was like, what? He's an actor, too? (laughs) And he's so great. And so is... Well, we'll we'll get to the cast list. So yeah, we'll talk just, about them all. Just uh, yell it out when you. <laughs> yeah, when you, the when mother, mother. <laughs> yes, yeah, she was great. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Should we get to the notes? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So for this movie. It was released on Christmas Day, 1999. <laughs> that was really Crazy. cool. I know. I was like, Christmas Day. Wow. And we should well, have done this as a Christmas movie. <laughs> I know, even though it has like like zero Christmas element in it. <laughs> it's very interesting that it came out on Christmas. But also what I thought was interesting, especially for 1999, was it was almost two hours long, which seems like a quote unquote long movie for that time, especially for like a Jane Austen movie. I feel like all movies are two hours long or around that. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially like, 
well, I was thinking, like, especially for, like, a Jane Austen, which I feel like they're, like, 90 minutes max, maybe. Like, it feels like they always kind of... watched a lot of these, like, made-for-TV movies that are... That's true. That's so, true. This was, like... <laughs> this is a real theatrical... I would say, this movie. felt like a real movie. Like a yeah, capital M movie. Miramax and everything. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh. It was directed by uh, Patricia Rosima and written by her as well. Yeah. I really... I did... I listen to the commentary for this mm-hmm. one by her and it was really interesting <laughs> yeah and i was like looking Canadian. at <laughs> looking at some of her stuff and she did like the teleplay for the great gardens movie with drew barrymore and jessica lang and you know she's got yeah. quite a she did and with an e for netflix like yeah. she's got quite a resume. oh my god i went down the rabbit hole of imdb following like each actor and being like oh my mm-hmm. god they're all in discovery of witches <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling that pamela is going to write us and be like here's some connections you didn't find <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well it was just also like i felt like every actor i saw was like ah, i know them from something <laughs> i know them from something else and i was like let me just do my imdb rabbit hole because and oh, lo and behold and i yeah. knew it was like i know all of them <laughs> I know all these people. I feel like one of them must have been in something David Lynch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of this... all the movies, this one feels like the most yeah. likely to have a crossover. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one, to me, felt like very much like it had like the darkness of David Lynch. Kind of David Lynch oh, universe. For sure. For sure. <laughs> the DLU. Yeah. yeah. For our cast, we had uh, Francis O'Connor as adult Fanny Price. For young Fanny, it was played by Hannah Taylor Gordon. Uh-huh. For Edmund Bertram, we had Johnny Lee Miller, who looked so familiar to me. I was like, where do I know him? You know that he was in the other Mansfield Park that we haven't done yet, the like early mm-hmm. 80s one, which is actually my favorite Jane Austen adaptation. He <laughs> played one of the children of the Prices. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think I was. I saw that in the notes and I was like, ah, these British actors are like, I'm going to be in every Jane Austen possible. So many of them I'm going to be like, oh, and they were in this Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had Lindsay Duncan as Mrs. Price slash Amazing. Lady Bertram. She was great. It took me several watchings to realize she was the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she looks so like starkly different as Mrs. Yeah. Price that you're like, oh. She does look <laughs> As Tom Bertram, we had James Purefoy. Who's also in everything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he looks very familiar. Mrs. Norris is played by Sheila Gish, who also looked very familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Thomas Bertram was played by Harold Pinter. Amazing. Very good. Uh, Mar- Mariah Bertram is played by Victoria Hamilton. And she was also in, she was Mrs. Forrest or Mrs. Forrester or Mrs. Forrest in Pride and Prejudice that we watched last Christmas that's crazy A&E one. <laughs> that's so crazy As like, that, that just shows you how much of a child mrs forrest is when she's right. married to this captain who lydia right. goes off with <laughs> forrester forrest i don't know forrest i think it was forrest <laughs> captain forrest or whatever that's familiar. <laughs> well my memory is hor- it's horrible sorry <laughs> <laughs> same um this was i was like oh he's in this movie hugh bonneville as mr rushworth i was like oh my god nabby <laughs> He seems so young. <laughs> I know. He looks like a baby, even though it was like only technically like 20, 24 years ago, I guess, at this point. 
Well, <laughs> which feels like now, like when did Downton Abbey start, though? Downton Abbey. I feel like it started. It feels like one of those things where it wasn't that long ago, but maybe it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 2010. Mm, I was gonna say 2009, so I was like 10 years prior to him being in Downton Abbey. Yeah, basically. pretty much. 11. Playing Julia Bertram, we had Justine Waddell. She's so pretty. She was very pretty. <laughs> And then as Mary Crawford, we had Embeth Davids, who I was like, this honey, because <laughs> I know her from Matilda. Uh, oh, and they're also all in His Dark Materials, which I recently oh, finished. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing, because I was like looking at all of them. I was like, they're all in a show together. I know it's like some sort of like not supernatural <laughs> show, but some sort of fantasy show. Uh, but she was really great. I liked her a lot. Yeah. Um, characters. Okay. Uh, Henry Coffer was played by Alessandro Nivola. Oh, I would never be able to resist him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He was like, he is one of the most handsome, like, Austin men ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had Charles Edwards playing Yates, which, of course, uh-huh. I was like, he's very recognizable. Yeah, he's also in stuff. A ton of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then uh, Sophia Miles playing Susan Price or Susie. I loved her, too. <laughs> I know. She was really great. And that's kind of it for like our main, our cast. main cast. Yeah, it's not a huge cast. No, I, I felt like almost half the cast was just all these children running around the price house. <laughs> There's so many kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any sort of trivia stuff. It says that the very stories that Fanny Price was writing was actually like, you know, like you said, Jane Austen's Juvenalia written when she uh-huh. was a teenager. So it was like, yeah. Like, this actually makes me want to read some juvenilia. Like maybe we should throw in a, yeah. a story or two just randomly here and there this year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. Maybe like a special episode. Yeah. <laughs> Minister Bat is special. Mansfield Park was technically Jane Austen's most successful novel in her lifetime. It earned her more than 300 pounds at the time. It's really interesting. <laughs> so the in the scene where they have like the fireworks display and they release the flock of doves, I found this story that apparently the production company just left them behind in the area <laughs> and they lived there. The doves themselves were alive. They were actually like... white pigeons, not doves. Oh. Well, they said doves. <laughs> she said so. it in the, the commentary. So. Oh. <laughs> the white pigeons. Um, <laughs> they were kept alive for more than eight years because a local woman was scared that they would die just being like left to their own devices so she like fed them (laughs) for like eight plus years and they lived that's pretty good and i was like that's really interesting (laughs) and then the actresses who played young fanny and young susan were actually real life sisters that's cool i was like that's perfect i thought young fanny was really good oh yeah she was like really engaging she seemed like she had like like a lot of spunk and like a lot of like you were like this girl's gonna get into something <laughs> um yeah a lot of uh you know Hugh Bonneville and the guy who played Gates Charles Edwards are both in Down Abbey so it's just like one of those British things where they're like they're all yeah, doing it, stuff together yeah I'm saying literally if you go to the <laughs> IMDb you can be like mix and match and be like they're all like I saw one box cover that had two of them on the cover of a whole different movie and I was like well, <laughs> they're together <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> It's just one of those British acting things. They love their TV movies and their limited series. There's so many of them. I think that's kind of it. The most of the notes were just like, these two people were together in this movie and they were doing this. Uh, right, so, right, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
Well, I'm sure my recap will be full of notes as well. So, because <laughs> I listened to the commentary while I was writing it. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. I just wrote it at the top of the page. I'm so excited for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a big Miramax movie, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool. The opening credits are like close-ups of writing, and they were like kind of, she said, deliberately obscure. So like, you know, how like little tiny things can actually echo through the centuries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was thinking of Jade Austen and her writing and all this. Right, and it was brought into this movie what 200 plus years later (laughs) exactly (laughs) so we basically start off with fanny telling susan a story that is Mm -hmm. one of jane austen's actual juvenilias we see how poor the prices are there's like roaches scurrying (laughs) by her foot as she gets out of bed (laughs) this was like this to me felt very lynch where it was like we're not gonna just be like you can tell they're poor because their house is small or whatever it was like they are living in filth (laughs) this is gross yeah, that's Gross one realism. Thing. The director slash writer, what was her name again? Oh, um, Patricia Rosima, I think. Patricia Rosima was saying was that she wanted to show like actual poverty, <laughs> you know, yeah, as opposed to just kind of like the pretty poverty that we show all the time, right? Like neutered poverty, especially for that time period, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they're basically sending fanny away because they just can't afford all the children that they have right so that, you know another aspect so basically a carriage comes to pick her up she doesn't realize until she's in the carriage that it's like may never see you again mom is just like uh bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'll see you soon and then she just looks away is like i gotta go back inside <laughs> bye. Uh, maybe 10 years from now we'll see <laughs> So she goes on the carriage ride and she sees the slave ship, which I think is, you know, trying to introduce this to mm-hmm. the story. Oh, I guess maybe that's where the title comes up or something. So basically she gets dropped off at Mansfield Park at night. Yeah. Tom is drunk on the balcony and it's just like, drop her. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> And she sits outside for presumably at least two hours before Mrs. Lewis comes to get her. (laughs) Uh, This this carriage driver, I was like, he's the worst. I was like, because (laughs) the when he's picking her up and she's like saying, I mean, it's very clear to like adult people that this girl is like leaving her home forever, basically. And he's just like, I ain't got all day. And it's like, (laughs) you're not like wasting precious hours <laughs> it's the middle of the night dude <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like don't be a dick yeah although probably i can't remember from the book it's been a while since i read the book so honestly there might be things that i'm missing even though i love this book you know i get mm-hmm. all them all confused in my head as we all have established many yeah. times <laughs> yeah. <this> podcast. <laughs> but i would think that the maybe the 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 Bertrams had sent a carriage for her to pick her up. Cause I don't think there's like yeah. Uber carriages where you can just like rent no. a carriage for yourself. Well, I mean, maybe you can, but, but also it's like, <laughs> I mean, her family is clearly like literally dirt poor. I don't think they could afford to book anything yeah, they themselves. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I was like, dude, don't be rude. 
you're getting paid. You're probably just going to the stables right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so then we meet Harold Pinter. I mean, Sir Thomas. <laughs> yes. And he's like, oh, hello, you're going to go stay with Mrs. Norris. And she says, oh, no, I, I meant for her to stay with you. And mm-hmm. so, and Fanny looks so small and alone in the stairwell. Yeah, and then we get the two, the two. Uh, I, they felt like the two shining sisters because they were just like walking in tandem, and they looked almost exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love this book because you get some so spectrum of like behavior, and there's just like so little judgment put on them. I mean, not yeah, because like Mariah and Julia, they're not great characters. I mean, they're not like great people or anything, but they're not. Right like expressly mean to fanny yeah so they're they're not yeah they're not like um in persuasion her sisters which her sister which who is like noticeably like kind of mean (laughs) they're just kind of like i don't know we're not gonna bother with her (laughs) yeah and they're not like sense and sensibility where everyone is like almost a heightened stereotype you know without a lot of depth they're they're such well-drawn characters Mm -hmm. anyway Yeah, they're they're very judgmental-ish, kind of like just in a way, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought they weren't, but they are. <laughs> like, they're, they're not like ew, look at her. They're just kind yeah. of like there's a lot of undertone in this scene where they're like looking her up and down. She clearly looks like really disheveled because you know she's very poor, and they're yeah, like, yeah, huh, interesting. <laughs> I'm just thinking of their future characters, right? But we're already kind of like making Fanny forced to watch and listen through doorways you know yeah i this is one thing also that i was like all of these period pieces they like no one realizes that your house is made of like stone or whatever and everything echoes you need to have (laughs) a lot of rugs in there so that you can whisper (laughs) i think they just don't care honestly probably the richer you are the more you're like who cares if i I can say whatever i want (laughs) So, but the director was also saying that she wanted to show that they were a rich family, but that they were kind of in decline. So, like, they're actually filming it in a ruin, a lot of the parts. Yeah, you can kind of, like, at the end of the movie, you kind of really notice it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like, she was trying to show, like, there's kind of, like, a rot at the heart of the family. Right. So, Fanny gets a tour. (laughs) (laughs) A very quick one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty funny. We get to see Tom's tortured self-portrait. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, oh my God, I almost called her Mrs. Russell. What's her, Mrs. Norris. Yeah. She was like, it's very modern. And then she just like keeps walking. <laughs> it was very funny. It made me think of that crappy artist from Sanditon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mrs. Norris is just like yanking her around. Mm. And then she's like, here's your room. And she shows this room in which there's just piles of, who knows what under a bunch yeah. of sheets. <laughs> There's yeah, no was... bed set out, nothing. Ugh. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Your room, find your furniture underneath all this. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> so, you know, Fanny definitely has now the reality that she's been given away is set mm-hmm. in. She starts to cry. Actually, Jane Austen herself had a brother who was given to rich relations to raise. Oh, it was like kind of yeah, a well-to-do. But thank goodness for Edmund, even though he's yes. such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Like, 
is <laughs> such a nerd. And I like how one thing that like kind of maybe like laugh and a little bit eye roll was when they were talking about who Fanny was going to stay with and blah, blah, blah. And then they were talking about Edmund and they were like saying like, you know, oh, like there was like a little bit of worry about like, you know, like we don't want her to stay too close to them because we want them to marry rich. And yeah, Mrs. Norris was like, listen, if you raise them as siblings, even if she's the most beautiful woman in the world, they're going to be <laughs> siblings and they're not going to want to be together. And then it was just like <laughs> me flashing back to like all of English history where they're yeah, marrying brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> marry brothers and sisters and cousins. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But you can well, tell from the beginning that they're like such a great match. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So because because you know she's a little more like shy and aloof in the book mm-hmm. but he's also much more of a prig so <laughs> they go together <laughs> still <laughs> so hopefully i'm using that term right <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> sounded correct to me <laughs> it's like i don't know just osmosis from all the british television so um <laughs> Edmund gives her some paper. She writes to Susan. Now, normally, there is a brother, William, who Fanny is writing to the whole time. He ends up mm. coming. That was actually in the other version. Her brother came right. and had a big party. But there's also Susan in the book. who okay. got So you <laughs> get one or the other. This one, they decided to have Susan, and she was writing back and forth to her the whole time. And she said that she really wanted to do that because Susan actually has kind of like an ending in the story because she ends mm-hmm. up at Mansfield Park and William is just kind of like goes off on a ship halfway through and that's pretty much the right story, <laughs> he <so>. disappears <laughs> well it's like you know Jane Austen's stories are so much so much of them are about uh sisterhood and yeah like the relationship between sisters so it just feels like it fits right in oh definitely definitely so she's writing the mock history of England which <laughs> I actually have a copy of somewhere so we'll have to do that definitely Definitely. It's very funny. <laughs> and I think she shares something from Northanger Abbey with Edmund. I'm not sure. Oh, really? So they are, they, they go running around <laughs> <laughs> pissing off Sir Thomas. <laughs> Which is so crazy because they were just like messing around. He was like, behave. Have some. How dare like, you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're Come at to home. my attention. <laughs> <laughs> they're at home. <laughs> it's like they're out in public. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like parents were especially like children should not be seen or heard at those times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was definitely like their motto. And I felt like it's definitely like feels more like later in the story like this. But I feel like this is like the first inklings of like, oh, is it Mr. Bertram? Is that what we would call him? Or Sir, Sir Thomas? Sir Thomas, excuse me. It felt he felt a little bit creepier in this version to me. And I don't know like if that's how a lot of people feel but he just felt like he was always creeping like checking in on people and like the way he talked to fanny later in the story felt very weird yeah definitely have well i'll say it whenever i get to it but like there's about the lady who the scholar lady but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of thought that this book has a lot of like unwholesome sexuality to it like Mm -hmm. the relationship between sir thomas and fanny and her father and her and yeah her and Edmund, and then all of the other, you know, shenanigans that everyone gets up to. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm at, I'm at it. <laughs> so <laughs> perfect. They're racing together on horseback, but her name is Claudia Johnson, 
And she says that the novel is saturated with unwholesome sexuality. <laughs> and so, oh God, I can't remember her name again. <laughs> the writer director. Oh, Patricia Razama. She she was trying to maintain that. So there's yeah. a lot of like scholastic thought on Mansfield Park because a lot of people don't like it. But then there's like this whole deep underlying layer to it that like isn't explicit, but mm-hmm. a lot of scholars pull that out. And yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, okay, and it, this, it also moves so fast, like, at least the first half of the movie, I feel like, moves so fast. Oh, yeah. So, we find out that there may be some problems behind the scenes at the Antigua mm-hmm. plantations, and... Always problems in Antigua, <laughs> as we <yeah>. found. <laughs> yeah, and so Sir Thomas is planning on dragging Tom with him there. We get to see Lady Bertram's laudanum addiction, or I guess, oh yeah, what do they call it? Opium. <laughs> oh, they, they called it. I can't remember exactly what they called it, but I mean, you could tell like the way she's interacting is like her mind is elsewhere. <laughs> she is yeah. not present. <laughs> A lot of this is also Fanny telling us, like, because right. like the way she does her writing, she also expresses what's happening. Which actually, I think this is the best Jane Austen adaptation for getting that narrator style of Jane Austen uh-huh. because of the way she narrates it and because yeah. she like turned Fanny into a kind of a Jane Austen that it felt more authentic yeah it's very funny too you know she can really yeah. like be <laughs> use her I mean, she's yeah she definitely but, is like honest <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh then also Mariah gets engaged and mm-hmm. Mrs. Norris's husband dies, <laughs> which is a really funny moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just wrote, Julia is so pretty, which I already expressed. But <laughs> Foster, Mrs. Foster, just, not Forrest yeah. or Forrester, Foster. <laughs> I don't know why I, Forrest sounded perfect to me. <laughs> like but Mariah Foster. was in Pride and Prejudice. She was Mrs. F- Foster. <laughs> Crawfords make their sexy appearance. <laughs> They're very like, Tall, slender, very like <laughs> jaws drop all around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who are they? Yeah. And then we get introductions all around. Mariah is introduced as being engaged, and uh, Henry is like, "Oh, you're engaged. I'll have that." <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Something I can ruin. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Rushworth is not impressed with them. <laughs> no, but is he impressed with much? <laughs> himself <laughs> yes <laughs> and oh yeah fanny too <laughs> right mrs norris <laughs> immediately a rivalry forms between julia and mariah of course yeah because i think we have a scene of them together and julia's like why do you have to have everything <laughs> mariah's <laughs> like i can't help it that um the most loved. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. You really can't help it later either. <laughs> or she says something like, life is full of these little disappointments. You'll have to get used to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we can really see how predatory the Crawfords are when they start talking to each other on the way home. Mm-hmm. Henry's like, there's no harm in flirting with a lady who's engaged. And I'm like, what? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're doing it almost right in front of her fiance (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're very much like they're both 
two, they're both halves of Lucy Steele. <laughs> but I like the Crawfords. <laughs> well, they, they're more fun. Like Lucy Steele feels very much like, because she's like getting at. She's so, yeah. Yeah. She's getting at them the whole time. Like, haha, I know what I'm doing. And the Crawfords are just so like, they're so sleek about it. They're just like, yeah. oh, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Lucy is like, I'm going to get you. This is all about me. I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. And the Crawfords are like, let's have fun at Roots of Lives. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I also really like them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Edmund is too distracted to listen to Fanny by... Oh, my God. Don't leave. Mary. Mary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and everyone's primping and getting ready, except for Fanny, who barely looks in the mirror. And she's going to get her horse, which is a whole story in the book, mm-hmm. and finds Mary and Edmund flirting. <laughs> and my favorite scene, <laughs> the scene <laughs> that caused an obsession with me, my favorite instrument, we have the introduction of the glass harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I just love it. I think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, is that's the one where when she's at the Crawfords and she's like feeling very like awkward and she's like, was that a harmonica I saw out there? No, 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 no. No, wait, this um, is, no, this is different. The, okay, the heart. Bertram daughters or sisters are playing right, right, this. Right, right. It's like kind of a it's long cylindrical, but like yeah, wasn't it? End. Wasn't it invented by Benjamin Franklin? There he made allegedly some. He <laughs> invented his own version. There right. were several people inventing it around the same time. Ah, okay. I don't actually think this is the same kind that Benjamin Franklin okay. did because his were crystal bowls or gla- glass bowls, and I love it because it was said to make people insane. If <laughs> well this family is definitely going insane so maybe it's true yeah and we get like this is where we see like the little um statue of like a slave yeah. and because there's just like little reminders that this whole oh, empire yeah. was built on slavery the whole um throughout the movie oh yeah but we find that tom has escaped from Antigua. <laughs> And he comes home drunk with a friend. (laughs) Oh, Tom. It's always a Tom. I feel like there's always a Tom getting in trouble in all of these stories. (laughs) You, Tom, get you. (laughs) (laughs) And so they all go to play billiards and decide to do a play, which, I mean, technically, I think in the book, actually, they do all sit in the billiard room and a lot of the stuff, but like... At the time, it would have been frowned. Like, women were not supposed to be playing billiards. They certainly weren't supposed right. to be smoking. This is like a men's only territory. Right. So, well, this family definitely feels like rule breakers in a way, which is so interesting, especially because their father is away, who is kind of like rules, rules, rules. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, of course, they're going to be crazy. That's and like, we're free. Kids are crazy when they get <laughs> exactly. <to college>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they're yeah, they're a very worldly lot of kids. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Fanny dares to speak out loud and Mrs. Norris is like, How dare I hear your voice? Now go act <laughs> like a servant. <laughs> God, it's always uh, Mrs. Norris. She gets on my nerves. She's definitely the worst. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of like bad characters, but Mrs. Norris is the one that's really the worst. Yeah. It's like you're not you're not like a rich, rich person. Like, calm down. <laughs> well that's you know, exactly it you know like like you think you work her and fanny people, are or... kind of on the same level exactly so she's got to put her down so that she can raise herself up right 
But, you know. (laughs) So poor Fanny, she again is listening through doors, listening to people speculate, is she out? And I think it's Mariah who's like, does it matter? (laughs) I was like, uh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, in reality, like, they're not expecting, they're just expecting her to take care of them while they're old. Right. They're not expecting her to actually go have a life. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, Tom is really just trying to defy his father. Of course. But Mary is like really embraced this whole acting thing. It's like, who do I get to make love to? (laughs) (laughs) That was like really cool. The way that like, that's like one of my favorite types of characters is like, they're not expecting this woman to be so forward. And so like, (laughs) she's like funny and hilarious. And I love it. I like how they're all like, oh, what? Yeah. It really works for her until it doesn't. (laughs) um... Right. Until she gets a little too bold. (laughs) Yeah. So then we have the flirting in Fanny's room scene. Mm -mm. The three-way seduction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is actual dialogue from Lover's Vows. Mm. Oh, I forgot to say. Well, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't have to say every single thing I know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so this all goes so fast. They're already putting up the show. Like, a lot... This would have taken forever. Like, the eight-part version, I believe... This is only like this is part three, like so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is taking a long time in the book, but it's so fast in this. But we do kind of like pan through the backstage. We see Mariah and Henry are very close, mm. head on bosom close. Did we even talk about that three way seduction scene where they're practicing the lines, or did I just um, say it happened? <laughs> it just happened. I think that's what you said. Because I feel like it's a a fun scene. <laughs> I like to. Okay. But yeah, so we're backstage. Oh, and Fanny finds that Mr. Tom, or Mr. Thomas, I can't even, <laughs> Sir Thomas has arrived, <laughs> returned. <Yep>. Face crack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, she's the only one who doesn't seem to really be a part of the play. Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm sure, why she was like, I'm not going to try and stop him. <laughs> she's like, I don't care. I'm going up to my room. <laughs> He goes and finds everyone in fancy dress, as they would say. And he seems to immediately discern the truth of all of the situations going on. He's like, oh, yeah, my daughter is flirting with this guy. My other daughter is drunk. The other son-in-law potential Mm -hmm. is like a dummy. Like he just sees it all. Well, it's like he walks in and immediately like Rushworth is like, talking about like cross-dressing and doing all this stuff which at the time would be like a big no-no and he's like not like you could tell that he's just like i'm just telling you this as like you know <laughs> you're not going to be offended by this <laughs> i think he's trying on a cod piece too when they first go <laughs> yes yes he also is doing that and it's totally like i'm not embarrassed <laughs> yeah. this is also where tom is in blackface yes and he doesn't even say a word to his dad. He just flips mm-hmm. the table and walks out because you can tell, like, he really hates him. <laughs> of course. He's the tortured artist son. He's tortured, for sure. And then Peacock! <laughs> <laughs> of course, rich. <laughs> Gotta point out every Peacock. Tom leaves as soon as the sun rises. He doesn't even stay for two seconds. Nope. <laughs> I wonder if he even said a word to his dad. He's like, sure you're here, not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Henry is now over Mariah now that Sir Thomas is oh home God. and it's not as much fun to, you know, Pull around. defy <laughs> <Yeah>. expectations. <laughs> oh, Sir Thomas kind of 
I said, ooh, Sir Thomas, so I don't know. Oh, he's, oh, this is when he's talking about slavery and he's talking about yeah the, there's like a mulatto thing that he's talking about. Oh, it's yeah. It's actually from some sort of a publication at the time. Yeah, he uh, he's saying something like that these two types of people, they can't, like he's like talking about uh black people and mixed people as if they were like animals and saying like they can't breed together like donkeys or something like mules excuse me and (laughs) edmund is like what the fuck are you saying (laughs) and he's like haven't you read this book yeah i don't think this is the actual dialogue from the book but there is this Mm -hmm. scene which was actually in the other version where fanny like Mm. kind of stands up and is like Mm-hmm. You're actually not saying anything that's true right now. <laughs> right. And she like is like, I've actually read books. <laughs> so yeah. I know what I'm talking about. That one you're quoting has been disproven or disproven, disavowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she looks at Edmund like, Are you gonna let him get away with that? And then she's right. like, No, I gotta set the record straight. And uh, what she Danny. does say <laughs> in this movie is she's talking about the Mansfield judgment which said there was Mm -hmm. no slavery in London, which is what people think that the whole title of the book is referencing. Mm. So actually, this is where Patricia Rosamond was Mm -hmm. saying, (laughs) did I say that right? Rosamond was saying that she believed that this book, Mansfield Park, was Mm -hmm. Jane Austen's, you know, trying to work out what she thought about, or not work out what she thought about, but like comment on slavery and servitude in all forms. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, obviously like the the slavery aspect and then there's like so many comments that especially Fanny makes about like women and their servitude in yeah, general. Well, and all of the women like are, I mean, even if they're able to make choices, they're not able to yeah, make it's wrong not, choices. You exactly. Know, like, <laughs> they're not able to change their minds. Right. So, okay. So Fanny gets really heated by this whole mm-hmm. interchange. She runs off. Edmund comes to try to to find her. It's like a big intense in the rain scene. And she's like, don't talk about me like I'm not here. I've already been sold off once in my lifetime. Right. (laughs) And she goes off riding in the rain. And Edmund really cares about her because he's watching for her through the window the whole time. Mm -hmm. And you can see throughout that scene that Mary is like doing her whole charming Miss Sir Thomas Mm -hmm. thing. And so Sir Thomas comes up to Edmund and is like, you know, she's she's not bad. She's not a bad catch. Right. And he's thinking of Fanny. And he's like, what do you mean, Fanny? And Sir he's Thomas like, is like, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you just told on yourself. Yeah. Um, that rain scene, it just like, it felt like it mirrored the Pride and Prejudice rain scene, uh, the movie so much because it was like, both people saying like you don't know my life you don't know what it's like to be me <laughs> yeah we're gonna show the inner turmoil on the mm-hmm. outside <laughs> me and you we're different <laughs> <sighs> so okay then we see fanny in the library and henry is now determined to get her attention <laughs> uh-huh they he reads from her book it's a book that is referenced in in the actual book mansfield park Mm-hmm. I wrote, I love Mariah. She's not like good, but I just love the character. So complex. <laughs> so what am yeah. I <laughs> I do. I do too. Like, I think in a way, like the type of character that she's kind of initially shown to be, you're like, oh, she's such a, like a spoiled brat. Like she's yeah. kind of like a, 
a bitch <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> but then like the whole scene where her and her dad are talking about like what he saw, like her and Henry kissing and mm-hmm. how he's like, you know, if you don't want to marry Rushworth, you don't have to. And she's like, basically, she's like, no, I have to. Essentially, <laughs> is like the the thing where she's like, I know I have to, so I'll do it. It's just yeah. like, so interesting. Like I, I would love a little like mini aside about like from her point of view. Oh yeah, definitely. I just, yeah, she's so, and then this scene, she's like, in that scene, which is the next scene, she's like so realistic about her life. Like, yeah, <laughs> like basically I want to be rich, even though I know my future husband's an idiot. So right. <laughs> I am. And also I want to keep my sister away from the man that I actually have a crush on. So she's coming with me on my mm-hmm. honeymoon. <laughs> right. Which was so like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. And of course he's like unfazed by that. <laughs> yeah. But little does she know that because Henry was told that's who he should like from the beginning. He'll never mm-hmm. love Julia. He'll never even look at her. Of course. Of course. That's who he's supposed to look at. Right. Oh, I love him too. God, they're also. So, <laughs> yeah, they're so interesting. They, to me, they just are so, I keep like having parallels with Stand at 10. Like they're just so similar in different ways. Some of these characters that are so like devious in some ways, but you're like, oh, I get why you're devious. You're not just exactly. devious. Exactly. So, okay. So Fanny gives us her to camp, uh, fourth wall breaking wrap up of how the wedding went. <laughs> Mrs. Norris tried to cry. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> uh, now Lady Bertram really needs Fanny because she has no other daughters around her. Mm-mm. Just her pugs. <laughs> <laughs> and we jump straight to Fanny carrying apples in the rain and being brought inside by Mary, which is a very fun scene. Yeah. Oh, it's... wait, we already, I guess we also had, there's some, they because they're having this party for Fanny but it's like kind of underplayed mm-hmm. in this version and they I mean, just yeah. kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of, but like Not Henry really, really. and uh, Sir Bertram, I think are like, we should have a party for Fanny. Now that everyone else is gone. <laughs> right. So she's all that's left. Yeah. It's pretty easy <laughs> to kind of miss it in this version, honestly. Yeah. It's very quick. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite Mary scenes. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, because they're just all so interesting. She's a very interesting character, too. Yeah, and... Oh, go ahead. You're no, gonna no, talk, no. Are you going to talk about the the rain, like uh, the post-rain scene where they're inside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you oh. go first. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, that scene, I think it's just so interesting. Like, the whole, especially, like, the whole, like, idea that this book is about unwholesome sex, and there's, like, chemistry between her and Fanny, and, yeah. like... They're getting we've already like, had them flirting with each other at a previous yeah, scene too. <laughs> and they're getting like Fanny's technically getting undressed around her. Like it felt very much like, are they gonna be together? Which I would yeah. love. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> and it did remind me of a movie I watched recently called Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is like a French period piece around this time. Uh-huh. Um, and it's lesbian film about these two like like a high society woman and like a, a normal society woman. And uh-huh. it just was like very like parallel. And I was like, I want to be together now. <laughs> I've heard about that movie. I it's so it's good. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as explicitly 
explicitly like sexual but i do think that mary is like kind of flirting with fanny by proxy because she wants mm-hmm. to win fanny to be her friend because she likes edmund and because he oh, yeah. likes her but there's never like a feeling of jealousy towards her so it's just all mm-hmm. I, I really love the dynamic between everyone yeah i'm i think it's like like again to contrast lucy Steele, like lucy is like i must be like cutting and rude and mary's <laughs> like i'm gonna you know you catch more flies with honey <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is also the scene where she goes i'm gonna be selfish and no one can stop me because you can't cure selfishness <laughs> right <laughs> there's no cure for it so why even bother <laughs> you have to forgive me <laughs> oh, she also one of my favorite little <laughs> things is that she couldn't get her harp because all the farmers had to get the hay in and yes. just one of my favorite tropes of period pieces where it's like ah, get the hay in before it rains yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay then we have mary playing the harp mm-hmm. edmund's favorite and she's just like so into herself playing <laughs> oh, of course she's just like oh, aren't i so good at playing the harp yeah and Fanny lets her know to maybe stop trashing the church if Edmund is your goal. And, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of his whole deal. Yeah. Speak of the devil, who shows up about mm. Edmund himself? Of course. And then it's dance time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Fanny is having a great time. She's like, I like everyone tonight. I'm drunk and I'm dancing. <laughs> loving me for once. <laughs> It was so interesting. It was so different because she was just like, I don't give a shit. I'm having fun. I'm getting drunk and I'm just going to twirl around the room. <laughs> I know. She probably was so rare for her to be able to like just mm-hmm. feel free and open, you know, oh, <laughs> to have sure. fun. And like, this is a whole event for her to have, you know, just for her center of Technically. attention. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, Mary is like, you should just admit that you're in love with Fanny Bryce. And he says, of course I love her. And her face is like, what? Uh, <laughs> it's like, as a what? sister. <laughs> as a sister, of course. Such a relief. But it's so funny to watch her face journey during that. <laughs> She's like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> <laughs> so Fanny dances with Henry, the most irresistible Henry Crawford. And... <laughs> mm-hmm. Alessandra Nivola. She looks He's so, so pretty. So handsome. <laughs> I love the dress that she's wearing in that scene. Mm-hmm. The costume it's got, is like, really beautiful. It's got all this beautiful. embroidery. It's just so beautiful. And then Fanny escapes to her room. She sees Henry looking at her through the window and she puts out the candle. And this <laughs> is where we get, I think, the first time where she says, run mad as often as you choose, but do not faint. And it's like <laughs> her philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fully give in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Only a little bit left in this half. So they're playing cards. And I was like, what does this game say about the story? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the kind of game where you like have to like uh, try to like buy bid, cards from each bid, other. Yeah, buy, buy cards. So I feel like that does have something to do with like. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the fact that it seems like Mary has like all the cards that everyone wants. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting all the money. <laughs> and... I don't know why uh, Henry's wanting to rent the parsonage because I thought that he already lived there, but right. um, he wants to rent the parsonage and Sir Thomas is like, why just come here? Bring all your horses. Oh, and you can bring your sister. Like she's just another item that he owns. <laughs> right. <laughs> Baggage. <laughs> and then he accosts Fanny on the stairs and Gross. professes his love and 
She very much tries to shut him down, but without being, mm-hmm. you know. But she's not quite as firm as she should be <laughs> if she really wants yeah. to shut him down. <laughs> right. I was like, maybe she's not aware of how um, relentless he is. <laughs> and I think we should just end it right there with a mm-hmm. happy flirtation moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before we start getting into the two realness of this universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Well, got any final thoughts on the first half? I I think, well, this might change next episode if we talk about the second half and I really think about it, but I just really love the first half so much. I think that's my favorite half of the movie. Mm. It's just like getting to know all these characters and especially the Crawfords are really just, there's so much fun in this version. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely think the first half is more, the second half is almost like that's where most of the, extra stuff that isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily in the book is added into and it's kind of like drawn out like the whole second half would be the last two parts of an eight-part series right (laughs) it wouldn't be half (laughs) half the movie but there's definitely great stuff about the second half too so oh yeah definitely i'm excited to get to that but yeah the first half it's it really covers a lot of ground (laughs) very quickly Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But it really establishes the characters and I think it does a great job. Yeah. And I love this like the theme of flirtation and how everyone seems to like be playing a game with each other of flirting mm-hmm. and it's just like so interesting to see, especially like the matchups, like especially the Mary and Fanny, which was my favorite matchup of this uh-huh. game. It was just so <laughs> it was just so the most interesting part of it to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So good. I love Mm -hmm. all of the characters. I love all the portrayals in this version. Mm -hmm. I think that Fanny is probably, Fanny and maybe Edmund are the farthest from the actual characters in the book. But because, Uh. honestly, Fanny is maybe one of the least liked heroines, probably Mm. the least liked heroine in Jane Austen. A lot of people just think that she's so boring and obnoxious. (laughs) So in a way, (laughs) this actually helps like, really enlighten her up i mean i love her in the book because whenever we get to the book there's just so much like i feel so bad she's got so much unrequited love and right <laughs> yeah so i'm excited to get to the second half and that's all we really have time for today <laughs> so. right <laughs> so thank you for listening and we'll see you for the second half good night bye <laughs> If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And if you would like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you prefer. We also have a donate button on our website, mannersandmadness.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye.